Good morning, Harvest. Oh, ho, ho. We got a little too quiet and somber there. Good morning, Harvest. It's good to see you. Hey, listen, we, we've got a special morning. Let me tell you why it's special, because me being up here and teaching what I'm teaching today was not on the schedule. Two weeks ago, I talked about a wise walk that we must have, and at the end of that sermon, though 45 minutes was not enough time, I mentioned a verse at the end in a few verses that had to deal with the Spirit uh, filling us. And I devoted about six minutes to it, and my heart sank in the moment when I realized that I needed another 30 minutes to go into what we needed. And so as we prayed and we talked, we realized that it is absolutely paramount that we have this sermon, this message today to set up the rest of the book, especially as we're going to be talking about Christian households, husbands, wives, sons, daughters. This message has to ring in our ears if we're going to be ready to hear the truth of those situations. And so what we're going to do is we're going to turn back to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 21. We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 21. And as you do that, I want to bring to your remembrance, and I'll put it on the screen, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. We read this at the very beginning of the book of Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And get this, verse 4, don't miss this. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. Say it again. He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world so that a purpose from God that he wants for his people, that he desires and that he's working towards in his people is a people that will be holy and blameless before him. Or in other words, people on earth who are sinful, who have been saved, will be transformed into the likeness and the image of his son. That is our purpose and goal and destiny that God has given his children while alive here on earth is to be holy and blameless before him just like Jesus was. But let me say this. Does anybody else, when you read words like holy and blameless, cringe? Am I the only one who sees that and just like, oh, I don't really want to focus on that. Let's just keep on moving. That's a little bit of my southern twang coming out there. I should bring it back. Many of you saying that's leaving. And I'm like, uh-oh. Don't worry, I'll go back home for a little bit. I'll adjust and I'll come back with that beautiful accent. But you read holy and blameless. Does anyone else cringe? Why? why? I'll tell you why I cringe. Because I look at that and I see that and I say, that's impossible. Not happening. Sorry, God. If that's what you want from me, all I can think of is how I'm not holy and blameless before you. All I can see are my failures constantly before you. Can't do it. You know what? That is the exact right response to that. And if you're thinking that as well, let me tell you, keep thinking that because that's good. 
We should always see that in our flesh and in our own ability, we cannot accomplish God's purpose for us. Who accomplishes the purpose? God does. And what is the means by which He accomplishes holy and blameless in your life? It's the Holy Spirit that He has given to you. The Holy Spirit that alone has the power to change. What are we just saying? We're saying about the presence of God that changes us. May I remind you of our banners here? God's presence, what? Changing people. Transcendent. Something beyond just the basic elements of the world that everyone turns to to, for morality. We need something beyond that. Something beyond ourself. It's God himself who will come and indwell people and change them. In spite of ourselves. You get this? So you're, you're accurately cringing when you read that, when you think about accomplishing that in yourself. But, but your thoughts must go to something else. But God has given me His Holy Spirit. And He who began a good work in me will bring it to completion. And He's going to work in me. So what we're going to talk about today is being filled with the Holy Spirit and why this is absolutely important. If there's, if there's one sermon or one portion of Scripture that you were to take and put in your pocket and remind yourself of always, let it be this one. And not just because I'm up here doing it, all the rest of the guys would agree. This is a central passage. This is the passage that accomplishes everything else that we talk about, about living our Christian life, is we must be filled with the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit is what we need to fulfill this purpose, and beyond that, experience joy. Now, let's read the passage together. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. Let's read it together. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21 says this. Verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's a lot here. We're told not to be drunk with wine, for in that day, in the Ephesians' day, Alcohol and getting drunk was a part of religious ceremony to get closer to their pagan gods. And so when Paul would have said this, they would have remembered, oh yeah, not like that. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Not to be controlled with that, but to be filled and controlled with the Spirit. That's how you commune with the one true God of the universe. The Holy Spirit brings you into communion and fellowship with Him and unity with Him. And we see the results of being filled with the Spirit in verse 19. What happens? What does the Spirit do in our life if He's filling us? He is addre- it causes us to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in the Lord, to the Lord with our heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so here's what we're looking at today. How to be filled with the Spirit and know it. We're going to see today how to be filled with the Spirit and know it. Sounds like I'm writing a book, doesn't it? Hey, but this is what this passage is going to show us. And and when I think that way, I'm like, man, I need to know this. Yeah, I want to be filled with the Spirit, and I want to know how I can know it. So that's what we want to look at, how to be filled with the Spirit and know it. Let me reiterate something. Last time we talked about what the filling of the Spirit is not. 
And maybe you missed it, you weren't here. So let me reiterate to you what the filling of the Spirit is not. Because we live in a day where for some reason the Holy Spirit gets turned into this mystical New Age being who causes us to experience sensuality and emotions that somehow evidence God is at work in us through craziness and through some type of experience. Let me remind you, the Holy Spirit is simply put, God himself. God living within you. Jesus told the disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away. It made them sad to hear Jesus say this. He said, but I must go away. And when I do, the helper will come. The comforter will come. And he in you, God in you, Jesus in you, not beside you, is better. And what do we see? Jesus beside the disciples, they never got it. He spoke many things to them, and they never got it. But Jesus leaves, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and you see these men all of a sudden turn into these wonderful rememberers of what Jesus was saying and understanders of what Jesus was saying, and they moved in power and influenced the world. And here we sit thousands of years later because of men who were filled with the Spirit. I want to be the same way. The Holy Spirit is God Himself living in us. So here's what being filled with the Spirit is not. It's not a zap of sensuality. You don't get zapped with it and you experience some type of crazy, filly, good moments. It's not us trying to do what God wants harder. Again, that's us trying to work in our flesh. It's not the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is what happens at the moment you believe in Christ, which is God himself giving the Holy Spirit to you completely, 100%. You have 100% of the Spirit. 100% of him at all times. You have him. He's inside of you. And we talked about how he doesn't leave and come back. You have him always. But that's not what this is talking about. Being filled with the Spirit, get this, is not receiving more of the Spirit. And we'll say, we're all guilty of saying things like, man, I just need more of the Spirit. I, I think we understand from a sense, we need more of the Spirit, but, but that's an inaccurate statement because we have more of Him. Maybe our saying should be adjusted. Not to say I need more of the Spirit, but to say I need to give the Spirit that I already have more control of my life. And that's what we're going to see today. But being filled with the Spirit is not receiving more of Him. It's not the baptism of the Spirit, which is kind of inaccurate as well because we're baptized with the Spirit, into Christ and into His death. Baptism, though we saw water baptism, the waters do not save, but the waters represent the fact that we have been immersed into Christ. And the baptism shows that, is a proclamation of that. And so we've been baptized into Christ at the moment of our salvation. That's not this. And then we heard uh, Ephesians earlier talk about being sealed with the Spirit. Meaning that he's in you, he's not going anywhere. And, and that seal is a guarantee and a promise that you will inherit salvation and that you're a child of God if the Spirit's in you. So that's not what being filled with the Spirit is. So let's look at how to be filled with the Spirit and how we can know it. 
And I want to challenge all of us to really, really pay attention. If you've got pencil or pen, you've got a blank piece of paper, write down as much as you can. This is good stuff. So let's go to Ephesians 5 and read through this again. First and foremost, how to be filled with the Spirit, simply put, is the word let. Let the Spirit fill you. Let the Spirit fill you. He says here, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. The filling here is akin, to, I'm going to give you some words. So if you want to write stuff down, here's some good words to write down to help you understand what the filling represents. It's the same idea of permeation, being permeated with. The same idea of giving control or influence or motivation or what consumes you. So in other words, don't get drunk with wine, but be controlled by the Spirit. Be influenced by the Spirit. Be, be totally motivated by the Spirit. Be consumed and permeated by the Spirit. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. It's like when you pour a seasoning or salt all over a steak. It's just consumed and permeated with that. We see cases of the Spirit filling someone throughout the Scripture. Like when Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. And prophesied saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for He has visited us and accomplished redemption for His people. Referring to His Son that was going to be born. And He was consumed consumed and taken over by the Holy Spirit and filled with joy in that moment. If I were to say, man, I was filled with fear, you would understand me when I say that, right? You would understand that that would be the dominating influence in my life at that moment. That everything that I would do after being filled with fear would be motivated by that dominating influence. It's the same way. Being filled with the Spirit is being dominated and controlled by the influence of the Holy Spirit. And what do we have to do? We have to let him. We have to let him. Which brings us to the word be filled or let or yield. It's, I gave it to you last time and I'm going to give it to you again. I want you to remember this. It's a constant conscious letting. A constant conscious letting. 24-7, moment by moment, this is is being filled with the Spirit. This is what it takes. A constant, conscious letting. Why? Why? Why are we having to constantly be conscious of letting the Holy Spirit fill us? Because we are constantly resisting Him. You see, we don't have any control in filling ourselves with the Holy Spirit, but you do know what we have control in? Resisting Him. And what we maybe, believe, maybe don't realize is how much through the day, through the week, and through our lives, we are constantly resisting His influence. He's there, wanting to fill us, wanting to take over, but we are constantly resisting. And letting is a constant, conscious letting. Acts 13.52 says the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I'll remind you the verbiage here in Ephesians chapter 5 is passive, meaning passive is something that happens to you. So this is something the Spirit does, you don't do it. It's passive, it's present, and it's continual. Meaning that I need to continually let 
the Holy Spirit control me. That's the battle, 24-7 battle that you and I face every day is plugging the influence and the motivation and the control of the Spirit in our life. And it is absolutely paramount and important that we let Him take control or else we will not fulfill our purpose. And beyond that, we will not experience joy. And we're going to see here later that many of us are miserable and we feel that God is out to get us and hurt us, primarily feeling that way because we are not letting the Spirit control us. And so the only thing that's left there is pressure and misery. So let me, let me help you out a little bit more. What does letting involve? And here's what we all want to know. Paul is mentioning this, so there's something to do on our part. You've told me to let, but what does letting look like? What would it involve, and what does it look like in my life? Help me out a little bit. Okay, let's help each other out a little bit. What does letting involve? I'm going to give you four things, so if you're writing down, this will be a good time to write down. Letting would involve, first, this, asking to be filled. Simply that, asking. I want you to analyze yourself. When was the last time you asked the Holy Spirit to fill you? Have you? You know, James says, we do not have because we do not ask. Jesus Jesus gives so many different repetitive statements about coming to the Father and asking in His name and things will be given to you. It's like God just loves answering our prayers and giving us what we want if it's what He wants. And so James says this, or you do not have because you ask, but you ask wrongly so you can spend it on your own desires. So a lot of times our prayers and our asking can be selfish, but asking to be filled with the Spirit is not selfish. It's probably the the most selfish thing that you can do that will make you selfless is ask for the Spirit. God wants to fill you. That's, that's, a, that's a prayer that's in accordance with his will. He'll want to answer that. We know also from James that God gives out wisdom liberally to all who ask. Ask, church, we gotta ask. God, fill me with the Spirit today in this moment. I gotta consciously let you fill, so help fill me with the Spirit. And then five minutes later, when you're starting to get mad, you wanna kick the cat or something, and God, I need you to fill me with the Spirit again. Yeah, it's a 24-7 battle of us resisting constantly. But we gotta ask. Jesus said, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. And then he gives this parable. Listen to this. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Wow. Jesus is saying, like, hey, listen, you know how to give good. Man, God is going to give you what you ask. If it's in accordance with His will, and this is big time part of his way. He says, I will give you the Holy Spirit, not only to save you, but to fill you every single day of your life. Are you asking? Are you asking? If not, you need to ask. Now listen to this next one. Letting also involves this, allowing time to be filled. 
Allowing time to be filled. You know, we're, we are more impatient with ourselves and each other than God is with us. We get so, so tired of ourselves and so impatient with ourselves that we want things now, 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 now. And when it comes to being filled with the Spirit, we have to allow time for God to work. Again, we want that instant zap. And when God doesn't give it to us, then we throw our hands up in the air and we walk away. You know, we were told earlier, a few verses before this in Ephesians 5, when we talked about a wise walk, there was a direct correlation to walking in wisdom to the time spent on earth. And we were told to make the best use of our time. Why? Because the days are evil. Time is essential even to being filled with the Spirit. So let me ask you this question. What are you currently let filling your time? What is currently filling the limited time that you have? And know this, the days are evil. So we have to redeem the day, which means we have to take the day that is already evil and turn it into something good. What are we actively doing to turn the evil time that we have that's limited to be used for something good? So ask yourself, what fills your time? More than likely, that is what's influencing you and motivating you, and that's what you're filled with. Newsflash, though, you can be the busiest person in the planet working 700 hours a week and still be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit can still control you and be your influence. You don't have to have this segmented part of time to where you go and sit down and allow for the Spirit to be filled. It's this conscious, constant letting. He's already there. Remember, He's doing the work. He's the one who's powerful. He's the one who can change you. What I'm saying is what is going through your mind throughout the day when you are busy and you feel like you don't have time for anything, let alone the Spirit, guess what? That's the moments when God will fill you with the Spirit. In the moment, you let him, surrender to him while you're working. Someone can take your your feet in your hands and your energy, but they can't take your thoughts from you. And in that moment, you can consciously let the Spirit speak to you and reflect on God's word and spend time praying through him throughout the day as you're busy. And I promise you, you'll see the results of it in your life. Are we allowing time, and not just the physical time, but a conscious time throughout the day where we're letting the Spirit motivate us? Now let's get a little more practical. Thirdly, this. Letting the Spirit would involve actively hearing and reading God's Word. Actively hearing and reading God's Word. And if you would, bear with me. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. I want to show you something. I want to show you Colossians chapter 3 because the book of Colossians mirrors Ephesians very similarly. In the book of Colossians, we see almost the exact phrasing of Ephesians 5, but he says something a little different that points to us what being filled with the Spirit involves a little more and how it involves God's Word and that it's synonymous with being filled with the Spirit. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. We're going to start there. Colossians 3.15. He says this, and look for the word let. Tell me if you see it. And let, there it is, this peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 
Let me read it again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let me read it another way. Let the truth about Jesus and his gospel and his message and who he is and what he's done dwell within you, fill you richly. What's the result of that? Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's the exact same effect that being filled with the Spirit has in Ephesians 5, and we're going to see that. So letting the Spirit fill us is going to involve hearing and reading God's Word actively. You've got to get it into your mind. You see, the Word is what, is what the Spirit will use to change us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why missionaries have to go and teach the gospel. The Spirit's not just going around and zapping people and saving them and then they find out later about the gospel. No, it works in tandem with God's word. What did the psalmist say? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Or your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What did, what did Paul tell Timothy? All scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable. Profitable. It, is a, it, it works. It's powerful. Teach, able to teach and rebuke and create, correct. It is profitable. What do we know in Hebrews? That God's word is, is active and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word is so important that in John 1, 1, which was one of the favorite verses in the baptism, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Being filled with the spirit is synonymous with being filled with God's word. So letting the Spirit take control, He's going to motivate you to get into God's Word. And the moment you resist that, you're no longer letting Him anymore. Do you get it? We must be filled with God's Word. And then beyond that, we've got to do it even a little bit more. Here's the fourth thing. We have to actively yield to God's Word, which means do what it says. What did James say? Don't be doers of the word and hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And the Spirit actively works and is trying to fill you with God's word. And is asking us to obey and yield to what we read. Psalm 119.9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. These are a few things that would involve letting the Spirit fill you. Some practical things that we can make sure. Like if the Spirit's working in our life and we're letting Him fill us. He's going to ask us to get into God's word. The control that we have is resisting. We resist him. And we need to stop quenching and grieving the spirit. Two things that we're told in scripture, I'm going to explain them. Two things that keep us from being filled with the spirit is quenching and grieving. Quenching and grieving. One of them is in 1 Thessalonians and the other one's in chapter 4 of Ephesians. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says this, Do not quench the Spirit. Another Bible translated this word, extinguish the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit's trying to work in your life. 
He's trying to, to motivate you and to tell you, hey, go do this. Speak to those people. Come spend time with me alone. Come pray with me. You know what? You should spend time in God's word. And he's, 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 pouring, he's pouring into your life an influence and a motivation. But in those moments, we extinguish it and we quench it. We quench it. We quench it over and over and over. Or, as in Ephesians 4, we're told in verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed for the day of the redemption. And you know what he says right before that? Many things about putting off, not being like the Gentiles, letting no corrupt talk coming out of your mouth. And so now, everyone look this way. I want to give a perfect example of maybe a way we've grieved the Spirit, which the Spirit is saying, stop. And we're saying, nah, I'm going to keep going. The Spirit's saying, no, stop. Put off. And we're like, nah, I'm not going to. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Charles spoke about the necessity of our mouth being holy and blameless before the Lord. And how God wants to take our mouth and our conduct and conform it to Jesus. And we should want that. But it was like an awkward, most quiet moment during that sermon. And you know why moments get awkward and quiet like that? That is an indicator of something that has hit close to home more than anything else. And I believe that our mouths, our mouths are some of the most wicked things that are out of control, even in the church right now. We all know it. That's why it hit so close to home. And in that, in that sermon, in that passage, there's this thing called empty talk. He says, let no one deceive you with empty talk. That, in that moment, empty talk comes out when we grieve the Spirit. We're saying, you know what? I need to change the conduct of my mouth. It's corrupt and it's filthy. And the Spirit says, yes, you know that, so stop it. And then all of a sudden, empty talk comes in and says, nah, it's not that bad. Or, and Charles is a little too over the top with what he was saying. That was good and all. So let me ask you, as a result of that sermon, have you been grieving the Spirit and not letting him work on your mouth. If so, you're grieving him and you're not filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit means you're not grieving and you're not quenching. We have to stop resisting him if we want to be filled. See how quiet it is right now? That tells me we really do struggle with our mouths. Me included. Letting yield. Let me give you an illustration. This is how you know I have three girls at home because my illustration comes from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> what happened when Ursula was trying to steal Ariel's vo voice? Was she able to? No, it wasn't until she signed the contract and let her have it. Gave it over and then, oh, oh, and then she sealed it up, right? She signed the contract and she let Ursula have it. Who are we giving control to? It's the same thing that Paul talks about in Romans 6. If you yield to sin, you give yourself, you sign the contract, say sin or this thing in my life, you can have me. I love you, you can have me. It will take over and it will take control. Men, what's it like to be bound by pornography? It feels impossible. It feels like it tells you what to do, when to do it. Do you know the same 
power that pornography has over you, the spirit can have just as much control and you can feel that type of, that type of growing desire for the spirit if you, as Romans 6 says, yield and let him. And he's even more powerful than pornography. I don't like the statement that goes like this, so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. We need to be so Jesus minded that people think we're crazy. We need to be Schmeagle, and Jesus is our precious. <laughs> I'm serious. The, dude, the dude's falling off the cliff into lava, and he doesn't even care because he has the very thing that he wants. Let's keep going. Please stay with me. Stay with me. So, how do we know we're being filled with the Spirit? So, the Spirit, we know how to be filled. We have to let Him, but we can also know that He's filling us by what comes out of our life and what he brings into our heart. The first thing this, we will know the Spirit's filling us because he's going to bring singing. He's going to bring singing. It says here, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's not a specific order and you can't look too much. He's just trying to include everything that would be a song about God that comes up and wells up in our heart. Psalms being specifically the Psalms from the Scripture, the Old Testament. Hymns being anything that ascribes praise to God and lifts His name. And spiritual songs is just a word for Him to include everything else that would be Christian and spiritual and, 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 and flow from a joyful heart in the Lord. The Holy Spirit brings singing. I don't care if you don't like singing. I don't care if you are a horrible singer. He brings it. He brings it. God created music, and he wants his people to sing to him with joy. And if he's filling your life, you will find, even if you don't like it, I have like, it won't be la la la, but it will be, God, you're so good. And you will express that in singing. And it says here, addressing one another. Look at how you treat other people around you and other fellow brothers and sisters. That will indicate whether or not you're filled with the Spirit. Are you glad to see one another? Or is there bitterness and anger and clamoring going on in your mind? Are you frustrated at people, annoyed with people constantly, constantly want to just, I don't want to be around them, constantly having grievances and, and writing a list of everything that someone else is doing wrong. Listen, that is not the Spirit. You're not filled with the Spirit. The Spirit will remove all that and, and bring joy in your heart with you and others, which is the next thing. Look, the Spirit, you'll know He's in you because He'll bring real joy in your life. He'll bring real joy. Look at it says. He says, singing and making melody to the Lord with your what? What does it say? With your what? What's the last word? Say it. Heart. It means you can't fake it. It means he's in there and he saved you and he's putting a song in your heart and you can't help but to let it erupt regardless of the circumstances going on in your life. You want to know the Spirit's in you? You'll be, you'll be so joyful it won't make sense. Oh, it said the disciples continued in joy and with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, continually. And they were facing persecution and hardship constantly. The book of 1 Peter, Peter talks to Christians who are suffering and dying, like many who are dying in our world today. Brothers and sisters around the world who are dying, over 300 died Easter morning. I hope you're praying for the families of your brothers and sisters. But I guarantee you, if you go over there, you, what you will find is you'll find an unspeakable, inexpressible joy in those people. 
Because 1 Peter says that we do not see him now, yet we love him and are filled with joy inexpressible. You see, the Holy Spirit will bring real joy to your life. Not, not happiness, not, but something that, that supersedes and cuts through the circumstances and the hardships of life. If you're like, man, all I do is complain, and all I can see is how, how I have a, the short end of the stick, and life never works out for me, you're not filled with the Spirit. The Spirit won't make your mouth say those things. The Spirit will control you and instead bring real joy. And this next thing, supernatural gratitude. Look what he says here. Giving thanks always and for everything. That is ridiculous. Are you kidding me? Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's why it's a supernatural gratitude. And that's how you'll know the Spirit's in you. Because you will find yourself grateful and thankful always and for everything that comes your way. The Spirit does that. We don't do that. We can't do that. That's how we know He's there because that's crazy. But He does it. And listen, if you haven't experienced that, you say, I've never, never experienced that. Then either you don't have the Spirit, He's never saved you and indwelled you, or you've been resisting Him your whole Christian life if you've never experienced being filled with the Spirit. It's time to start letting him, because I promise you, he's going to start changing your heart, not your circumstances. And that's what you really need. You don't need your, your wife to change. You don't need your kids to change. You don't need your job to change. You don't need your money situation to change. You don't need your, your finances to change. You don't need your location to change. You need to change. And the Spirit does it. And he will bring gratitude for everything. And what will ring true in your mind is Romans eight twenty eight: All things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And then finally, look at this. How you'll know the Spirit's in you. There will be humble submission. The Spirit will bring from you a humble submission. He says they're submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does this mean? It's not those who are under authority submit. It's every single person is responsible for submitting. And we say the word submit and we automatically think of a cuss word. Because for some reason, submitting somehow lowers us. No, 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 no. Let me, let me remind you of what Jesus did. Jesus was a perfect example of one submitting to the needs of everyone. Because he humbled himself and he, came, he became a servant and he served us, though he was our king. And then what do we see him doing throughout his ministry, throughout his life, is submitting to the will of the Father. So obedient to the Father and looking out for the needs of everyone around him. If the Spirit's in a group of people, we'll all be submitting to each other. That means we'll all be caring about each other more than ourselves. Which means if you're in a position of authority, you'll be motivated by the needs of the people under you. I'm submitting to their needs. And so I'm in a position of authority, and so I'm giving myself to what they need and what I can provide being in the position I am in. Or, hey, I've got authority over me. And because the spirits that work in my life fill in me, I have this humble submission. I'm ready to submit to every authority above me out of reverence for Christ because he was the ultimate submitter and he wants to change my life into his life. This is the only time we hear the words fear of Christ. It's always fear of God. The only time in scripture where it says out of fear of Christ because he's our Lord, he's our king, and he's our ultimate example of this. Did Christ submit to us? Yes, he did. He submitted to our needs. 
And here's why this is so important, and here's why we're kind of concluding it, and why it's so important we have this message before we go into the next messages. Charles, myself, Todd are going to start talking about Christian households. And as we start talking about the role of a wife and the role of a husband, immediately follows being filled with the Spirit. And so it's so important for us to understand that we need to be filled with the Spirit if we are to be the husbands and wives and the children and bond servants that we are in the positions that God's put us in. Because we will rebel and fight against what God wants if we're not filled with the Spirit. And so what we're going to see as time goes on is we're not going to see, hey, this is the type of wife you need to be. No, the command is always you need to be filled with the Spirit. Or this is, this is how husbands need to act. No, husbands, you need to be filled with the Spirit. And if you are, this is how you'll treat your wives. That's what we're going to see. So we're going to be flowing into Spirit-filled households as this goes on. So here's another thing I want to leave you with. If you ever hear anyone come to this portion of Scripture, I want you to remember this. Anyone come to this portion of Scripture and say, hey, listen, you need to address one another with songs and hymns, and, and you need to give thanks always, and you need to make melody in your heart. Do you realize that's not a command that Paul's giving? And you know, if you give someone that command and you tell someone to do that, you're only exhausting them, making them feel hopeless because we can't do that. Who creates that within us? Who creates that within us? The Holy Spirit. So what do we need to tell people they need? They need to let the Spirit fill them. And all of these things will take, take over because the Spirit will take over. So I want to ask you, are you letting the Spirit fill you? There is a 24-7 battle. He must win. He must win if we want to fulfill our purpose and experience joy and the fruits of the Spirit will flow from Him through us because we're no longer resisting and we're letting Him have our life. Let's pray. Father, so much more I want to say. God, so much you've worked in my own heart to convict me and show me where I'm missing this. And so, Father, I pray you be patient with us. You continue to help us to remember this. Holy Spirit, we don't remember things without you. You illuminate, you help us understand, and you bring to remembrance the things that we need. So help us to eat, sleep, and breathe your word, to love you, to give ourselves to you. God, take control, because if you're not controlling us, something else is. And if it's not you, it's to our destruction. So God, we're in this moment saying we're weak, we can do nothing, but through the grace of Jesus and through your love and through your power, you come and change us and you make us new. And so God, thank you for the work that you're doing in our life and the work you're going to do because we're gonna let you do it. We pray it all in the name of Jesus, amen.